0: Stacy, are you anywhere around here? She received a message. I got here this morning, and I saw uh, Craig and Patty Haston making an exit and going to their car. Uh, And then, Stacy, bring up that message, if you will, on your phone. I'm apt to get it wrong if I don't read it. You want to hand it to me? Yeah. I ask lovely service, Stacy. Could you pray for grandson Wade, 29 years old, at Emanuel Trauma Center after an off-road motorcycle accident, internal bleeding, in surgery now? Then down here, praises Wade made it through surgery early a.m., One kidney removed, still evaluating other possible injuries. Don't get on a motorcycle. Praise he made it through surgery. We'll continue praying for the ongoing injuries and recovery. So let's pray for Patty and Craig. There's so much heaviness in this body. I ran into a lawyer over here, her husband, who's had cancer now has a brain tumor, you know, to go with everything else. And I just run into it out in the narthex all the time as I'm checking on people and uh, people, uh, relatives, dying, heaviness. So let me just pray for all of us. I know there's more. Our Heavenly Father, we come into your presence as you've invited, to, invited us to in Christ to bring our cares and our petitions, to find grace to help in time of need. And Lord, we all in some respects at different times need your graces, sometimes a lot more than others. And uh, the enemy assaults. We know we live in a wild and woolly world. And our Father, these awful things happen. We pray for Patty and Craig that you'll give them peace. We pray for her daughter, who's the mother of this 29 year old man and uh, we pray that the doctors will be on their A game and uh, that uh, they'll be able to uh, bring him back to relatively good health in the days weeks and months to come we pray for Lo and her husband fighting through this cancer there are others here we've got a young man who just had brain tumor surgery. Father, a lot of stuff in our midst, and it's not by accident. You give us these things, these trials. And uh, it's our responsibility to seek your grace and to find your help and to praise your great name. We pray for others here who momentarily we may have Overlooked, pray for all of them. And now we pray in this service today that you'll be glorified in your Son. We pray that your Son will be glorified in the gospel and that your Word will be magnified through the Spirit in its authority and in its power. We ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the good of this family of God. Amen. Well, I go today as we pick up part two of our message last Sunday, there'll be some review. Jesus said, and this is the text, our takeoff point, you've heard it so many times from me. It's just an anchor text. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, no one comes unto the Father except through me John 14:6. last Sunday we talked about this generation in the broad sense. It's one that is losing hope in finding hope. I'm not the first one to say that as I think you know we're hearing it like an echo everywhere. Just yesterday I was on the internet. I don't read a newspaper anymore. Do you know of one in Oregon? (laughs) Uh, I came across a study affirming that very thing that I just said. Last week, I laid out at length the result of a staff discussion Monday before last about the subject of a whole litany of symptoms of this general despair that we're seeing all over the face of our culture and beyond. We talked last Sunday about some of the desperate steps that people are taking to try to fill in the blanks, fill in the terrible void of hope and meaninglessness in their lives. Finally, we talked about the ultimate sources of what we will just generically call human despair and emptiness. That brought us to the question with which we closed. Why the heck is this world, this is not new, but we're just feeling it. It's just catching up with us big time. Why in the world is our world today so messed up? And why is hope so elusive for most people? What drives mankind To keep seeking paradise through some wild back door. What does the man or woman in the street desperately need? To circle back to last Sunday. What's the big problem? I mean, B-I-G. Everybody's got problems. I mean, what's the big overarching problem anyway? Anyway. That has this world running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off, trying to find life, trying to find peace, trying to find contentment. It is so elusive. Well, let me review four consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. In the Garden of Eden, to review for a minute. The story begins there. The biblical story begins in the Garden of Eden, otherwise known as paradise in which man was created. Adam and Eve blew it. They revolted against God. And when they did that, they corrupted the whole human DNA, spiritual DNA. So consequently, when any person is born into the world, though it's not immediately evident, in some kids it is. (laughs) But the DNA is corrupted and people go their own way. God said, I give everything's perfect, everything is good. God looked at it and said, It's all good. You have nothing to complain about. However, there's one tree out there called the tree of good knowledge. It's a probation. Don't eat of that tree. Don't. The minute you do so, the penalty of sin is death. You will die. Adam and Eve did so under temptation by Satan. Adam and Eve were expelled from paradise. Ever since the human race corrupted has been trying to find a back door into paradise. This way, that way, up, down, north, south, whatever it is. We are seized up by the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride that goes with human life, the pride of life. People are driven by those things. The rest of the Bible story, I repeat, is this. It's the story. It's God's story of putting together, it's a put together from turning to past, a plan of redemption. That's what the Bible's about, and it climaxes with the book of Revelation where paradise is regained in jesus christ that's the biblical story and it's quite a story well <clears throat> let me tell you four con- i told you this last week i'm just getting everybody on the train before we leave the station there are four consequences of sin rebellion against god in the garden of eden Seldom do we think about this But this is big You want to understand life as we see it And experience it You're about to hear it The human race When our original parents Revolted against God And did their own thing Trying to become like God Sounds so human They suffered the penalty of sin Death Jim I've read the story I don't see anybody dying there That's because we've got a superficial idea of what death means. Death, as God told Adam and Eve, you'll experience, is not the dissolution of the union between the soul and the body. That's an after effect. That's secondary. You know what death is. You'll understand a lot if you understand this. Death, my friends, is estrangement or alienation. From our creator. We're born that way. I'll get this in my pocket eventually. Don't get distracted by it. <laughs> Death. too. <laughs> Death is estrangement from our creator. The minute Adam and Eve sinned. The umbilical cord between God and man was broken. And ever since... We've been like fish out of water. I remember one time, another application. I had an aquarium in my home in Denver. I built it. I could do some things at one time. It was really nice. During my prayer time, I'd sometimes sit down on the desk when my back got tired and watch that aquarium. And I'd see the angel fish chasing the guppies and I'd feel sorry for those little guppies. All they do all day is just run from the angelfish. Run, 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 run from the angelfish. Hide under this, hide under that. And then my imagination got the best of me. And I said, there's a little saint over there. I'll go over there and take that little saint and catch me a scoop of little guppies. And give them freedom. Freedom. I'll put them out on the floor. Let them go for it. Well, you know what would happen if I did that. The little guppies would hit on the floor and they'd go flop, 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 flop. They were alive, weren't they? No, they were dying. What did they need? Oxygen. Well, human beings, when they're separated from God, need the oxygen of life. We don't have it. And that's why in life, The story of human history is nations and people just flopping, flopping, flopping. They're gasping for air. It's called death, separated from God. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5 tells us that through the fear of death, get this, did you know this? Through the fear of death, the human race is subject to slavery. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5. All of our lives, we're running, we're going, we're sweating, we're sleeping, we're doing this, doing that, let's go find some fun. What are people doing? What are they doing? Stand out here, watch them go, 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 go. I said that last Sunday, what are people doing? Don't you wonder? This is a great place to be if you wonder that. They're running from death. In both the primary and the secondary senses. They're trying to find life. And it's not where they're looking. They're trying to find some back door to paradise. God closed that door. But they want in. They want life. But they're trying to find it some other way than reconnecting with God. Well, that explains everything. So just go have been, get on the corner sometime. I've done it. Go down here on the corner and just watch them go. Go to the mall and just watch them go. <laughs> go to a football game and just watch them go. Nothing wrong with a football game, but really what people are doing, not coming to see where Oregon State or University of Oregon is gonna win or lose. They wanna see that. But they're trying to escape something. They're running from something. They're running from death. And that death is first of all defined in alienation and estrangement from the living God. The umbilical cord is cut. They go after this and they go after that. They seek this and they seek that. But hey, it doesn't get the job done. There's no back door. There is a second consequence of human sin. We're all in it. It's social. Wars and rumors of wars, bloodshed, cruelty, savagery of every kind. Some of us are more affected at one time than another, and some of us are never exposed to the worst of it. People in Mexico, cartels cutting off the heads of people, shooting them down in the streets. All over the world, you've got that. Look what you've got going on in Israel and Gaza. Horrific stuff. Horrific. We're alienated from one another. That's the story of human history. We're going to have a war to make a lasting peace. Not going to happen. Does that mean I'm at a war? Well, in principle, yes, but hey, sometimes there have to be wars. That's the second part of the story of sin. Third part of the story of sin. <sighs> there are enough psychological problems, mental problems in this room to keep a psychologist making a living for the rest of his life or her life. We're, we're all to some degree messed up inside. I said all this last Sunday. I'm just saying it a little different. We're at odds with ourselves, estranged from God, estranged from our neighbor, and estranged to some degree from ourselves. We're messed up inside. There's a big hole in our soul, and it's called God, a God-sized vacuum down here. And people are reaching for this, reaching for that, reaching, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, fill it up. It can't be filled up. It doesn't fit. And fourthly, the final dimension. God created man and all the things around him, and he said it was good. But then man revolted against God. God put a curse on creation. There are earthquakes. There are hurricanes. There are landslides. There are tornadoes. And then we worship nature. We don't worship it, we abuse it, misuse it, all of the above. We're even estranged from good environment that God gave us. It's all the impact of sin. Think of any problem out there that exists. It all goes back to the consequences of human sin. All goes back there. My problems, your problems, their problems, his problems. Well, so that's the problem underlying all the human dysfunction. So what is needed? I want you to get this. We move on. Now we're moving into new territory. That whole package of running and seeking, clamoring and crying humanity. What on earth is it all about? That's why we're here. That's why God has left us here. What do they want, we ask? What are they seeking but don't know it? What do our neighbors and our country and other countries, why do they keep chasing wildly and vainly in a hundred different but useless directions. Can we put our finger on it? Yes. What's needed? A big word. It's a biblical word. I'm not trying to choose polysyllabic words here to test your brain. It's a biblical word. All the words I'm going to use are biblical words. What we need What the world needs, your neighbor needs, maybe you need, my friend, is reconciliation with the true and living God. A lot of people out there, it's not our subject this morning, they're in busted relationships, busted marriages. What they need is reconciliation. There's some barrier there. What we need, the human race needs, your friend needs, your son needs, your daughter needs, Everybody else needs. It's not church. It's good to be where you are, to come together as people who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, most of us, and to praise and honor Him, to do that regularly, once a week, as God ordained. But just to be in church, to be active in a body, well, there are good things about that, but that's not the fundamental need. The fundamental need, and you may be one in this body who needs that. It may be that drawing of the Spirit of God who brought you here to hear this. Your fundamental need is not more money. It's not a bigger house. It's not more time to recreate. It's not a a life and work balance. That's not what you need. What you need, and it'll get fixed, is reconciliation with the living God. That was broken in the Garden of Eden. It's been broken ever since. Without reconciliation with the living God in Jesus Christ, life in this world, I'm telling you, is a hopeless proposition. Every culture in its various ways and its, their false belief systems cause a human race living in panic to find something to stuff that hole in their souls where God should be. And they keep finding at the end of the day, if not a lot sooner, the space is empty and their hope has perished. It's evaporated. You may be sitting here in this church service In that very condition. You didn't use the word when you walked in. Then maybe you did. You're in a searching mode. But you've been searching in all the wrong places. You could be in this church searching in the wrong place. Hoping to find hope. Hoping to find meaning. Hoping to find purpose. Hoping to find significance which is so elusive. You may... Hope to find a family. So many churches advertise themselves as a family. This is as good a family as I think you'll find. But the answer is not community as good as community is. The answer is Christ. You need a reconnection with the living God. You don't need a reconnection with me, with David. That's not what you need. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's good. But it's only good if you find that connection with the living Christ, the Son of God. Let me talk about reconciliation with God. It requires something, another long word that's a biblical word. What you need is justification by God. You can't have reconciliation with God unless you are justified by God. Let me explain that. No sinner, no one uncleansed, unpardoned of his or her sin can enter the kingdom of God. I repeat, the wages of sin is death. Sin has to be cleared somebody says, but Jim, good God, how do you do that? I've got so much crap. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. The deal is, this is all the bad news. We must faith death for our sins, eternal separation from God, or someone absolutely perfect Must die in our place. Voluntarily, the Son of God entered this world as Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He came to voluntarily be our substitute, our Redeemer. It had to be our Redeemer, someone morally perfect. It had to be someone whose personal value was sufficient to be a substitute for the guilt of everyone in this room. For the guilt of all mankind. So that we can say, whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. Will not perish. John 3.16. There is no other name. Acts 4. Verses. Verse 12, there is no other name given under heaven except this name, Jesus Christ, through whom we must be saved. That's it. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. The God with whom we must be reconciled declares, I will pardon all your guilt. Past, present, yes, and future. I'll get to that. I will legally declare you righteous in my sight as if you had never sinned, as if you had never lived in rebellion to me. I'll do that. I will impute to you legally the perfect righteousness of my Son. My faith. Okay, now let's... That's the flesh. Got mad at that. All right, bear with me prop. Do you know what happened when you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? His blood, which represents his life, blotted out every sin that you have ever conceived and some maybe that you haven't conceived, blotted it out. Blotted it out so that before God, you're still a sinner. But before God, your legal standing is righteous. You are declared, get that verb, you are declared righteous in the sight of God. That's what the world needs, can't understand. All this sin and all this stuff, it's not always what I did, it's what I thought. Birds have laid a lot of poop in my hair. I can't always help that. Nevertheless, it's defiling. It's corrupting. So what did God do when I said yes to Jesus Christ? I repent. I am a sinner. You are right. I am wrong. I've lived all my life on my own. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And some of it I don't even like to mention. God says, you're forgiven in my son. But I'm still a mess. Did you hear me? I've just justified you. I've just declared you righteous. Legally. I see the mess. But let me tell you what I've done for you. You're in Christ now. His righteousness I've clothed you in. What? Yep. What I have done legally is take you the mess. If you think I need help, you're right. I've taken the righteousness of Jesus Christ which is perfect and I've clothed you in it. You remember the Samaritan woman? She had had five husbands and the one she had now, Jesus says, he's not yours. But because she trusted in him, The Father in heaven says you're justified. Legally, you're good to go. Legally, you have not sinned in the past. Legally, you have not, whatever's the present, it's gone. But what about the future? I'm so weak and I'm so ignorant, it's gone. You are justified in my son. When I see you, I don't see all the crud. When I see you, I see a person justified by me in Christ. If some people could get hold of that, their life would be changed. That in Christ bit. Here I've got one of these little Russian dolls. This is the doll. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Messed up. Mixed up as you are. God knows your ignorance. He knows your weakness. And he knows all the stuff that you have stumbled in. Or will. Or are. But in Christ. He receives you. Here you are. This is you, the mess. And he takes you when you put your trust in him. By grace through faith you are saved. He puts you in Christ. And then when he looks at you, what does he see? This. This is you. But there you are in Christ. Justified. Justified. Wow. When I got hold of that, about 18 years old, it just made a tremendous difference in my understanding. I hope you get it. Now, there was more work to be done. Can't cover it all this morning. But there's another thing that had to happen. That's why I can say, still in the flesh, still subject to the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life It's why I can say I am saved past tense. This breach between the Father, between God and myself had to be closed, had to be reconciled. That happened by justification, but then there had to be something else. It's called regeneration, another biblical word. It means I needed to be born again. You want to go to paradise? Well, just to be a little bit crude about it, God can't have his legally justified people running around in heaven still without, without a heart after God. God without new life, without being new creatures in Christ. So we had to be born again. We had to experience a new birth. Jesus in John chapter three, remember what he told Nicodemus? Nicodemus came to him, thought Jesus had an entire track on getting to the kingdom of God. Jesus just broke right through all the stuff and all the argument. He said, look, Nicodemus, he said, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot enter paradise. Unless you are born again, Nicodemus said, why can't go back in your mother's room and womb and somehow be born again? Jesus says, you must be born again. Let me explain something, Nicodemus. You're supposed to be a teacher, but you're a little slow on the uptake. That which is flesh is flesh. That's our natural born condition. Well, you're always going to look like you look like now. But inside you need to be a new creature. That which is spirit is spirit. That's why some of the, most of us in this room, we resonate, and you perhaps don't understand it. We're far from perfect, but we resonate with the things of God. They appeal to us. We want to be what we ought to be. We're not always. We're still in His flesh. We want to be there. We want to live in harmony with our creator in Christ Jesus. It's called a new birth. It happens to people. I've seen that so many times. People just fundamentally turned around. Hey, they're not the same people they were yesterday. You got be, to gotta be born again. Well, I've seen some Christians, you know, they're pretty low characters if you have seen somebody who wears that tag and they're not born again they show no resemblance of affinity for the things of God show no resemblance of trying to walk with him and to be pleasing to him you've seen a fraud church is full of frauds but if you know God, you've been justified and you've been regenerated. You've been born again. You're on a complete You've been reconnected. You're reconciled to God. Well, there's more. I don't have time to take it all on. But your pastor, like you, sometimes... He stumbles around not in all the ways I used to. But sometimes he doesn't get it right. He's your pastor, but he doesn't always get it right. Dad, blame it. There's another thing that happens to those who have been reconciled to God. They've been it's an ongoing process. So this is where the Bible uses the term we are being saved. We have been saved. The past tense, Vernon McGee used to say that justification and all of that was the track that this next runs on. Sanctification. What's that big word mean? It means that the Spirit of God who lives in us, who indwells us, has regenerated us, still takes people who are somewhat broken like you and I. Still takes us. And he begins to massage our hearts and work out of us what sin worked into us. Purifies us. And begins to gradually conform us to the image, the moral image of Jesus Christ. That's going on in my life and your life. Some of the stuff that some of you are going through just think of all the pressures of life here being, where you getting beaten up, beat down. Listen, the Spirit of God is bringing out His hammer on an anvil, pounding the kinks out of us, teaching us, pray, man, pray. Get in God's Word, man, get in God's Word. Teaching us, ooh, that was not the right response. Teaching us to be more faithful in the things that we ought to be faithful in, we just blow off. That sort of thing. It's called sanctification. It's purification. Jesus, through the Spirit, is causing us to be righteous. Legally, we are righteous. But now he wants us to actually become righteous. And where does that all end up? I'm hurrying now. The next thing, there's justification. There is regeneration. All of that is past tense. It's instantaneous. There's no process. It happens. It's a transaction from heaven. Now the Spirit of God is in us. An ongoing process. This pastor, 105 years old, is still being sanctified. Spirit's still working on me. I've still got crud working out of me. And if you're born again, he's doing the same thing with you. Explains a lot of your experiences. Well, then the future stuff. What's that? Well, here's what the world is looking for. Can't find. It's running from death. I'm not running from death. I'm running... Not from physical death. I'm not running. I've been reconciled to God. I'm not running from that. Don't have to, because what do we have in store for us? Biblical word: the resurrection. One day, some of you may be glad. <laughs> One day, I'm going to be dead, deader than a doorstop. Well, we naturally there may be somebody. she may grieve for me. She may not i'm just kidding you know it's going to be that stuff and the tears and all that that goes with it in some quarters maybe but jesus said in john chapter 10 those that believe in him will never die our spirits we're called saints set apart ones our spirits transition immediately into the presence of the living christ but then When it all comes to the end, there is what we call glorification. Glorification. Call it coronation. It all comes to the end. And then the program of salvation is wrapped up. Here we are. And we are clothed with new bodies. Adapted for the eternal state. And then we are transformed. All that was imperfect about me and about you, all that just disappears. And as First John says, when he comes, we shall see him as he is. And when he does, we shall be like him. We'll be transformed. And then we'll be in paradise doing what? Ruling and graining. With our Savior. Ruling and reigning. Over what? Over what? A sheepfold somewhere? Have you been seeing. All of the starry hosts. The millions. The billions. The trillions of stars. We've never seen before. What an immense universe, that's not the right word for it anymore, is out there. Wow. We have no idea of the universe that awaits us. And God's people will be ruling and reigning. I don't even know what all that means, but I know it's big. Reconciled with God. Reconcile with God. What follows from that? Justification. Regeneration, then a process of sanctification which culminates in what? The resurrection and our glorification. The world's trying to get a back door. It has no conception of all that glory. No conception. But it's trying to claw its way into the back door like a dog. It's not going to get there. God, shut that door. Eternal life is in Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, that's what we're preparing for. Preparing for Jesus. He's coming again to receive all of his people to himself. That's why we're here. We're not here. Now listen, I don't have time to qualify everything I say. I depend on your good intelligence to modify some of what I say. We're not here to have little parties. I saw where some church was advertising Sunday, fun day. Oh, give me a break. We're not here to have fun day, Sunday. We're not here just to see our friends. We're not here to have dinners like we're going to have tonight. As good as they are, I'll be there. But that's not what it's all about. We're not here for that. We're here on a mission. And what is the mission? To tell the world that has no hope, that there is hope, and this is the hope. They don't want to hear it. That's on them. But that's what we're here for. And we try to do that. Many of you do. Sometimes it just hits flat like a pancake. That's on them. Held accountable for that. But on us. Is to go into all the world. Teaching. Discipling. Baptizing men. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men and women. To go where he told us to go. To do what he told us to do. To be what he told us to be. That's what it's all about. And this is just gravy. Get together as a born-again family. You're not going to get into paradise. You're not going to escape death by going the way most of your friends and neighbors are going. They're not going to paradise. They're going to perdition. I'm not so sure about that. Well, you, God has given you that opportunity. To say, well, you want to go your own way? You can go your own way. Paradise or perdition? Jesus said to Paradise. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, that includes you, is going to ever go into the presence of the Father and rule and reign with Christ unless they're reconciled with Him. There's no getting reconciled with Him without coming through Jesus. That's the only door. You must be justified. You must be regenerated, must be. So have it your way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truth of the word of God, which we have in a way only superficially explained. But we hope our Father, through the spirit of God, he will make it clear to eyes that need to see, ears that need to hear, and hearts that need to obey. We ask it in his name. Amen.
1: Amen. There's no other way <clears throat> but Jesus. And, uh, there's no, there's no other half measure. There's no compromise. If, uh, if we're to follow Jesus, we have to leave all of this behind. Everything submitted to Him. Total surrender. You can't, you can't leave, uh, one foot out the ark and still escape the flood. Like that's, uh, that's just not gonna work. It's total surrender. So let's stand together and we're gonna respond to that message, uh, by confessing total surrender to the Lord. And as we do, the ushers are gonna pass around an offering plate this morning. If you're just visiting today, don't feel obligated to give anything. We're just glad you're here. And, uh, but let's just, let's praise the Lord for the salvation that he has wrought for us and that he gives it to us freely. And then just, and, and just commit ourselves that we are all in. Let's do that together now.